Welcome to the Dog Training Tips Podcast with your host, creator of the Dogmanship Training Academy, Heidi Hamilton. Welcome back. This episode is for people whose dogs are barking, lunging, and kind of appearing scary and aggressive when they see other dogs on walks. Now, firstly, this episode is in no way meant to replace professional help. This is a very condensed insight into how I'm currently working with overreactive dogs inside the Dogmanship Training Academy. Now, the goal here for these dogs is to be able to walk down the street without these explosions when they see another dog. It's not necessarily that they're going to end up being this social butterfly who's happily greeting every dog they meet. The idea is that they're able to coexist and live in our world in a way that is comfortable and is behaving in a socially acceptable manner. Now, firstly, overreactivity is often a symptom of an underlying problem in one or all of these areas, communication system, leadership, trust, impulse control and emotional regulation. So if you have a relationship where there is leadership and trust that was built with a reliable, predictable communication system and your dog has rehearsed impulse control and emotional regulation in other situations, then you most likely won't be dealing with this issue or you're easily managing it on walks, right? You're working through it already. Now, The first step is avoiding putting them in situations where we may see other dogs while we address all of those things, while we address that foundation, while we build that communication system. If you have a trainer who tells you their plan of working on this overreactive behavior without first looking at the relationship your dog has with you and with their environment in other contexts, you're being set up to fail. We need to have this foundation first. And while we're building that foundation, We want to avoid putting our dogs in situations where they're going to rehearse the overreactivity and they're going to practice that skill of being overreactive when they see another dog without us having a a strategy for, for working on it yet, right? Now, It's caused in 99% of cases by fear, right? Now, 99% is not a statistic that I've done any study on. It's just what I believe to be true. Um, Now, your dog is overreacting to another dog to protect their personal space bubble. Now, this could be because they've had an obviously negative or traumatic experience. Like for example, you can remember a moment where a dog charged at them or perhaps a dog came over to them and um, aggressively, or there was an issue with another dog. Or it could be because they've repeatedly been put in situations that they just don't feel comfortable. So perhaps they were on lead um, and another dog approached them. And even though that dog may have been friendly, it made them feel uncomfortable and their situation wasn't a pleasant one for your dog. Even though from from your perspective, nothing huge or nothing traumatic happened. Um, And when they're put in those situations, then the next time they're in that situation, they're feeling more uncomfortable and it it snowballs, right? So now it could also be that they perhaps have been rushed by another dog at a park or um, it might be that you're walking down the street and a dog got out their gate and rushed at you. And even if that dog, as I said, isn't necessarily coming at you in an aggressive manner, it can still make your dog feel unsafe. 
So the first thing we need to do is protect their personal space bubble. It is your job now to really advocate for your dog's personal space, regardless of how okay your dog seems to be, and regardless of how much pressure or how the other person approaches you, you need to advocate for your dog. So no dog to dog greetings for right now. Now, once we are all good with this and we've worked on the overreactivity, then listen to the episode called Dog Greetings. And that's how you could potentially get your dog to make some friends down the track once we've sort of overcome the overreactivity. Now, one of the challenges and why dog owners find overreactivity particularly hard to fix without professional help is because it works for our dogs right? So if they're feeling unsure or they don't want another dog to invade their space, right? They don't want another dog to come near them and they overreact. So they, they bark and they lunge and they, um, you know, look or aggressive and scary. Then the other person with the other dog crosses the road and leaves, or they give you space, they move around you. And so for your dog are like, great, that worked. Personal space protected. It, it. I've done everything I need to do to get that dog to go away from me. And so it gets reinforced. They're like, great, this works. I'm going to behave this way because when I do, nobody comes near me and therefore I'm not going to be put any in any positions that I don't feel comfortable with, that I don't enjoy right? So next we need to create an environment where our dog is safe and we can get some repetitions in without the other dog leaving. Now, as I said, do not do this without that foundation in place. Please, I'm going to keep going back to it. But if you don't have a solid communication system yet, if you don't have um, a dog who can is able to listen to you in public areas without another dog there, of course, they're not going to start now. So make sure you get that foundation first. So we want to create an environment where our dog is safe. So one way to do that could be to get a friend or a family member who has a dog to meet you at a park. The idea isn't to let them greet, but to use the situation as an opportunity to rehearse safely, to train safely without the dog leaving the situation, which gives you more time to work through this with your dog in a way where you can finish on a positive note. Now, it also gives us the ability to adjust the distance from that dog. So you could start off further away and gradually move closer as your dog gains confidence and understands the behavior expectations. Um, It means we don't sort of have to dive into the deep end first. We can start where they've just noticed the dog. They're mildly triggered by it, work on building up their confidence there and then move closer as we all become more confident with it. Another situation you could do this is having a dog behind a fence. So if you don't know anybody who has another dog, I'm sure you go for a walk and there's a dog behind a fence who comes and runs out to the fence line. That's another opportunity that you can practice because you're safe. That dog can't get out, but also that dog's not going anywhere. So it means that your dog isn't getting that reinforcement of this working, right? The the dog is not leaving and you are not leaving, right? Now, The next step is we need to set behavior expectations. No pulling, no lunging, no barking, no lead biting. Now, if you use the communication system you've already established, that will stop those behaviors. But we also want to work on your dog's mindset and how they feel. Because if we just stop those behaviors without considering how they're actually feeling, they could be internally freaking out 
but just not expressing it, right? Because they've learned that those behaviors we don't want. Now, we need to start building our evidence bank, right? We need to start proving to our dogs that they are safe and it's all happy days when another dog is there. So what we're doing is we're putting them in a situation where we're not throwing them in the deep end. We're finding a moment where they're just mildly triggered. And then we're putting them in those situations and teaching them that those behaviors are not okay. They're not going to be allowed to pull or jump or bark or lunge, right? So they're not overreacting, but then we're going to create positives. Everything is going to be safe and everything is going to be fun. Nothing terrible happens. So what we're doing is proving to them, hey, look, you didn't bark and lunge and pull, but it was actually all okay. We survived. It was even good. So nothing bad happens. We can use We can use our tools, we can use training, we can use food, we can use toys, we can use space. There's all these things we can use to create a more positive experience for our dogs. It's also a time for us as owners to be practicing being contagiously calm, which just means being in an emotional state that you want your dog to be in because our emotional state is contagious for our dogs. Now this takes practice because you are used to your dog overreacting. And so it's going to make you feel tense when you see another dog as well. So what you want to do to start out with is do some deep belly breaths, drop your shoulders, relax your arms, etc. We talk a lot about this inside the Academy as well. Now, over time, that then changes their automatic response when they see another dog. For one, they know those behaviors are not okay and they'll be corrected, but they also know now that there's no need to show those behaviors anymore. Those behaviors have been made redundant because they're safe. They feel safe. Using positive reinforcement will also change the association of what happens when they see a dog. So they'll see a dog and they'll immediately seek you for reinforcement. They see a dog and they're like, hey, When I see a dog, good stuff happens with my human now, right? So we must have both sides of the coin here. If we only stop the behaviors that we don't want, we could be left with a dog who is panicking, but feels like they can't express it. And if we only use positive reinforcement, then we have a dog who doesn't understand those behavior expectations and perhaps will need to be distracted with food and potentially always need to be kept at a decent distance from other dogs. It can slow down the process. So often I see people trying to fix reactivity by distracting the dog with food while there's a dog there. And the problem is that often the, the dog has already started reacting, right? So the dog's already barking or lunging, and then you're giving them food or trying to distract them with food, which could potentially be perceived as a reward for doing those behaviors. The other thing is that often in those moments, your dog is not interested in food, right? Because they feel like their life is at risk. And so food is not really a priority in that moment for them. So what we want to do is, yes, we want to be able to find that point where it's a little bit triggering for them, but we also don't want to sit in that comfort zone forever, right? We want to find a point where it's a bit challenging for our dogs. Yes, not in the deep end, but we want to find a point where it's challenging so that we can show them the behavior expectations in a way that they are going to learn it very quickly because they're not overly triggered by it but they're also then able to get to the positives quite quickly, right? So it might mean we have to correct those behaviors we don't want, but then we're almost immediately going, but hey, when as soon as you stop that, good stuff happens. So we're creating that really obvious contrast for them. 
So I hope that gives you a little bit of an insight into how we deal with overreactivity. It is most certainly one of the most common things that people contact me about. So if you would like to talk further with me about that, please feel free to find me on Facebook or Instagram as Dogmanship Training. Or you can check out my free introductory workshop, which you can get at dogmanshiptraining.com forward slash free. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Happy training.